0: You're listening to a 95 BFM podcast.
1: On the line, we've got Prime Minister Chris Hipkins. Kia ora, Chris. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm great, thank you. How are you? Good. It's nice to chat with you today. There's plenty going on in the country. Let's start with uh, a bit of a touch base on what's happening with the cyclone recovery efforts uh, and also the flooding recovery efforts. It's going to be a very long road, but what are we seeing at the moment?
0: What we're seeing at the moment is you know people, I guess, getting on with their cleaning up jobs. Um, we're trying to do what we can do to support the communities affected with those kind of immediate jobs of just getting life back to something that feels a bit more normal. Clearly, we've got some big transport challenges. Probably the other big thing ahead of us with the power now back on in most areas with telecommunications largely restored. we are now got to get the roads back up and running again, and you know, there's been some pretty extensive damage to roads, so that's a big area of focus. And then just helping people get, get the clean-up um, underway and also um, make sure that we're, you know, pre- preparing to make those big decisions around where we rebuild and how we mm. rebuild.
1: Speaking of rebuilding and the transport networks, it is going to be a really big effort. Do we need to start reframing perhaps how we're thinking about the timeline? Obviously, there's urgency to get connectivity back up, but there's some pretty major damage that's going to have to be uh, rectified here.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I guess you can you can approach it in three phases. One is um, how do we just restore the lifeline that you know are required? So those kind of key transport connections, and that includes things like using Bailey bridges where roads have been washed out and all of those things. Second is how we kind of rebuild back to something that feels a bit more normal, um, and then the third is how do we how do we how do we rebuild to be more resilient and to build back better, and we have to approach all three of those things um, sometimes simultaneously. But clearly, the building back better, building back more resilient, that's the longer term challenge. That's making sure that we're, you know, we're necessary building a building a, a better, stronger, more resilient infrastructure.
1: Mm. Well, let, let's talk about teachers. That's been a big one in the last week. Uh, we. Saw saw both primary and secondary school teachers striking uh, for better pay and conditions and there's the potential that another strike could be tabled for next week if uh, the government doesn't meet what the unions are asking uh, as an acceptable criteria. Are you confident that your government is doing enough to support those people in that industry?
0: I completely um, recognise the concerns that teachers have been raising, and you know many of those concerns are things that we've been working with them on over time. And uh, I acknowledge that they want to see faster progress on some of those issues. Um, I'm sure you know we would like to see faster progress as much as we can do uh, within the constraints that we've got as well. So. I'm hopeful, you know, they they have their strike. I'm hopeful that, you know, now they're back around the bargaining table with the Ministry of Education that we can can make some more progress.
1: We've seen, you know, strike action and a lot of uh, concern from not necessarily just teachers, but we've seen a lot of uh, concern from the healthcare sector in recent years about pay and conditions. Are, Are you worried that New Zealand's becoming an unaffordable country for people working in those, I guess, white collar industry jobs that have perhaps been seen as very safe careers? In the past, are you, are you thinking it's perhaps becoming untenable to have those jobs in Aotearoa?
0: Well, one of the things I think we have to think about as a country is, you know, we want to live in a high-wage, high-skilled economy, uh, and that means we have to make sure that you know people who are in those those sorts of jobs are, are being well-paid and are able to you know enjoy the benefits of that. Um, I think we're not going to cut our way to a brighter future. So, uh, you know, there's a focus of, of the government. You know, we get criticised for the extra money that we've been spending as a government, but actually where's that money going? It, 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 that's what's paying for the increased wages for teachers, increased wages for nurses, more nurses, more doctors, uh, and so on. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't resile from that. I think that it's worth making that, those investments in our people.
1: Heading into an election year, what can we expect from the Labor Party around that in terms of policy and campaigning? Uh, well, it's
0: difficult. You don't really campaign on, on pay for particular professions. Um, that generally uh, wouldn't wouldn't work, any, even if you wanted to. Um, but you know, I think that if you look at the pay increases that our public sector workers, our teachers, our doctors, our nurses, our police, our Firefighters, if you look at the pay increases they've had under our government compared to what they were getting under the previous government, I think our track record speaks for itself, really, um, and that's what they can expect to see more of in the future.
1: Well, speaking of election year, uh, you've announced uh, a bunch of reprioritizations for policies heading into uh, the, the next few months. And this has caused a lot of frustration, particularly from the Green Party and environmental advocates uh, for some of the policies that have been shelved for now, and that's particularly around regional transport uh, upgrades and also clean car networks, uh, clean car rebate schemes as well. Uh, how can you justify parking those things when climate change is increasingly a bread and butter issue, uh, if that is where we're paring back down to at the moment?
0: So I, mean, I don't think that your summary of what we've done is actually accurate. So if you look at regional public transport, for example, we're continuing our investments in regional public transport. The bit that we have done, the area where we've changed, is we focused our targets in terms of mode shift on those centres where there was already a good, robust public transport network in place. Um, In time, we want to see mode shift in those regional areas as well, but we have to build the public transport network first before we can ask people to get out of their cars and start using public transport more. I don't think it's reasonable to say to people we're going to set these arbitrary targets to have uh, fewer kilometres travelled by private vehicle and more um, by public transport if the public transport options don't exist. So that's got to be the focus. We've got to make sure we're building more public transport. So there'll be more investment in public transport, not less, um, but it's just a question of a a around how we structure the targets.
1: But speaking of targets, New Zealand's now an outlier. We've just seen an IPCC report released, <coughs> excuse me, released this week. Uh, New Zealand's now an outlier as one of the few countries where our emissions keep rising uh, in the OECD. How is the government going to prioritise being a global player on climate change and also act on our emissions reductions?
0: All well, we're dealing with here is historical legacy. You know, we've, we, over the last five years, you've seen more action on issues around climate change than we've seen for, in decades prior to that, um, and we'll continue to do that. We've set our emissions reductions budgets, um, and we're going to stick to those. Now, um, we might, as any good government uh, will do, from time to time look and say, OK, we were looking at doing that, we're now going to do that. As long as it's contributing to the budget, as long as we're achieving those budgets, then we're achieving our goals.
1: Well, I'm so sorry I'm losing my voice here this morning. Um, But another thing I wanted to just touch on before we let you go, Chris, is another thing that's been um, parked for now with the Law Commission is the hate speech reform. And in the last week, we've seen a lot of anxiety and frustration uh, from communities about the possibility of an anti-trans activist that critics here and overseas are saying is spreading hateful uh, speech against trans people specifically. How is the Labour Party going to ensure that it walks the walk on support trans communities. It was great to see you all at Pride.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And look, there is a line here that needs to be drawn about <clears throat> the difference between you know, hate, hate speech, incitement, uh, discrimination. And, you know, free speech that we disagree with. And that's always going to be a tricky line to draw. Um, but, it, you know, there, but there is a line. There is a line in law at the moment. There are things that you can't use. You know, you can't exercise your free speech to incite people to violence, for example. Um, and that is a, a fair limitation on people's rights to free speech. So we have to continue to, you know, tread our way through this carefully. I don't want it to become a political football, and I don't want the communities concerned to find that they have become a political football in an election year. Which is why we've said we'll take a bit longer to get this right, um, and to try and take some of the politics out of it. Because I think we should have a common commitment to ensuring that we, yes, we're protecting free speech, but that we're also protecting everyone who lives in New Zealand from uh, discrimination, from unfair discrimination. um, OK, that's great.
1: That is great to hear. But we are already hearing from particularly the trans community that they don't feel protected. They already feel like a political football. They are already a vulnerable part of the population. So what support is going to be brought in to ensure that they are safe?
0: Um, Look, there's a lot of support that we can provide to the trans community, including through our leadership. Um, That's not necessarily around law changes, but it's around speaking out and condemning those uh, who are creating an environment where they feel that way.
1: All right, well, thank you very much for your time this morning, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. All right, cheers. Kia ora.
0: That was a 95BFM podcast. Support 95BFM with a B-card. Go to 95BFM.com slash sign up.